Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now, live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, it's a night of deals as Deal or No Deal gets ready to make its debut right here on CNBC. Game show host extraordinaire Howie Mandel will be here to help the traders find some of the best deals in the market. We start with the other big deal hanging in the balance. President Trump and President Xi getting ready to go head-to-head at the G20 meeting to try and find some common ground amid escalating trade tensions. This as contradicting headlines giving investors whiplash again today. Let's get straight to Eamon Javers, who's in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for the developing story. Eamon. Yeah, hi, Melissa. It's a bit of a game of deal or no deal here in Buenos Aires as well. As we wait for President Trump to land here in Air Force One in just a couple of hours' time, a lot of uncertainty hanging over the diplomats and heads of state who have gathered here in Argentina for this economic summit. Let's look at some of the elements of uncertainty, particularly with auto tariffs. The administration raising the possibility, the president in a tweet, of new tariffs on European automakers. Also the possibility here of tariffs on Chinese autos from Robert Lighthizer, the, the top trade official uh, for this administration, uh, raising that in a statement last night. There's the idea of a tariff truce. That's uh, something that experts have looked at as the possibility of a, a step back from a major trade deal. Could they, at least the United States and China, get a tariff truce in which they agree to call off the escalating tariffs and agree to negotiate into next year on a, on a larger deal. Uh, and then the other issue that we're going to see is the signing of this new trade deal between the United States, Canada, and Mexico tomorrow. Uh, but will the administration be able to get that uh, over the bar on Capitol Hill? Uh, we're going to watch for reaction in Washington to that signing tomorrow and see how that's playing politically for the president. So a lot at stake here. Uh, and a couple of scheduling uh, change-ups here at the last minute. The president announcing over Twitter while in the air on Air Force One today that he's canceled his meeting with Vladimir Putin. They're rearranging some other meetings as well, downgrading some from uh, former formal sit-downs uh, to just what they call uh, you know, hallway grabs uh, between the two leaders. They're uh, ultimately uh, going to lower the number of meetings that the president has, but he is still going to have that dinner with Xi Jinping on Saturday night, and that's the one that everybody's looking forward to, Melissa, because so much at stake here in Argentina. And key for maybe a lot of the conspiracy theorists out there, Eamon, is that Peter Navarro, the trade hawk, will be present at the dinner. He'll be sitting at the dinner table, right? That's right. A White House official confirmed that to me today. That uh, is a little bit unexpected because Peter Navarro is seen as the biggest hawk on China in this administration. The Chinese uh, view him as somebody who's working against them inside this administration. So uh, is that a signal that no deal is in the offering uh, in the offing here? Or is that a signal that the president simply wants all of his players to be at the table when he does come to some kind of negotiation with Xi Jinping? Uh, not really certain how to read that, but uh, a lot of people are paying attention to it today. All right, Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers in Buenos Aires for us. So we start with Guy Dami, mm. and I ask you. Hi, Mel. Deal or no deal? Oh, you when really it comes to trade, early. when it comes wow. to trade, 
And what could that mean for the market? Pandering to our guest, Howie not, Mandel, not pandering. sitting, sitting in the, the wings. This is the question of the market. Right, I'm going to ask you a question. Please. You not, probably won't like the way I answer, which is typical of our relationship. Yes. But I'll say is. this. <laughs> I think they'll come out of it with a handshake and President Trump will say we have a an agreement to move forward and we're great friends. And I think that will be enough to make the market go higher. I think President Trump is extraordinarily focused on the stock market. I think he knows in his heart that'll probably make the Dow go up anywhere from 500 to 750 points. And that's probably enough for the next couple of weeks as we get into the holidays. That doesn't mean there will be a deal, quite frankly, because I don't think the Chinese want to make a deal. But I think that language will be enough to make the market. So rally. just a handshake. And what? Uh, the 10% tariffs don't a, go to 25% Jan 1? Is it going to be like an uncomfortably long like handshake? Like a bro hug? As they typically I mean, like are. Most no, handshakes are uncomfortable. More importantly Sorry. than the quality of the handshake or the length of the duration or the yeah, hug well, or whatever it may what, follow. what we do these days. Is 10% tariffs that are in place go up to 25%? I don't believe Those are so. Halted. I think, next I round think is it'll halted. be status quo. We, okay. had a great, we had a great conversation. We are we're agreed to move forward. Uh, we, have, we both understand each other. All the things you've yeah. heard him say before. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you what, I don't think we get that. And, and I think putting the guy that wrote the book, Death by China, at the same table of the negotiators, Peter Navarro is not well liked. And I think there's a message there, frankly. Um, I, I think both sides uh, are going into this with at least renewed expectations about the other side. I, I think both guys, you know, the art of the deal. Uh, China has been surprised that Trump hasn't been the deal maker that they thought he was going to be. And I think Trump is actually going to stick in that mode. I don't think we have to have a deal. I will go down saying I think the Fed is more important right now to the markets than trade, even though, yes, we know that trade is having an impact on how companies are planning their business. Doesn't the Fed give him a little bit of cover to come away without a deal and to actually Possibly. be yes. tough on trade yes. and play to his base at this point? Yes, I think all that is true. That gives him some room. I think that Peter Navarro being there actually, I think, might give him some room also in that you don't start the rhetoric that you that he has had over the last few days if you have no intention of having a deal right and we'll find out very shortly january 1 right whether there is in fact any i think he's right they'll come out with some sort of handshake and you know continue productive discussions on the fine points that which i don't think we'll get any granular detail but we'll really find out january 1st do they in fact have any constructive dialogue continuing, or are we going to play hardball and implement the, the tariff increases? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that we're just talking about this one aspect of our trade relationship with China, and it really is about whether we're going to go from a 10% tariff to 25% in January. That's one component of it. The larger component is this technology transfer, the IP theft, all these things that have actually been in place for decades that are really bipartisan issues here in America. Both sides want to get these things fixed. There will be no deal on that anytime soon, which is why it's important that this thing doesn't escalate on a tit-for-tat um, trade war on just focused on the trade deficit, right? And so the way I see it as this. I think guy. Um, I think that both of these guys, President Xi and President Trump, do not want to go away from this and not have something to go back and say that we made some progress here. And I don't think it really plays to his base, President Trump, to be overly tough about this. I think the GM news this week um, showed us that it actually has the potential to work very badly against his base in particular in places like Ohio where they're shutting down factories. So to but, me, I think they do have to come away with some sort of a truce. I think GM's a sideshow, though. I mean, I, I think really? the bottom is line it, is, it, well, yeah, because I think trade tariffs and, and picking fights with, with the rest of the world on tariffs when really the, the fight was to be with China is something that, 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 that's what's backfired in my view. We have been split up, Dan, so let's make this good. Um, yeah, bottom line, I, I think that this deal has <laughs> a, a major challenge in happening. I agree with what you're saying, Dan, that this is not about 
you know, trade neutrality. This is really about control of the 21st century. Therefore, what can each side come back with other than to say, I won? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not but, sure how you Twitter do that for Twitter bluster is really no way to go about making the first win in this thing. You know, you know what I mean? So I really do think that if they can come away, I, I've heard some people on the networks today, maybe the Chinese say we're going to buy some more soybeans and we're going to delay, you know, uh, the or increase energy, in the tariffs, whatever. Or whatever the heck it is. Like, that would work well for both sides, right? And then you go and you get you get rid of guys like Navarro. He, needs, he just can't be at the table anymore, all right? And then you really have to approach this in a manner where we're thinking about the next 10 years, right? And we're thinking about how to fix the last 20 or 30 years problems as it relates to trade. So what are you saying, though, in terms of there's two different things going on. There's the rhetoric that they come out with and what that does for the market, yeah. which is maybe totally separate from what you're talking Listen, about. I, I think that, that you guys have all said it. I think there's a really good chance that he comes away like when he left Singapore after meeting uh, President Kim of North Korea, where they think they have some sort of framework to move forward on something, but they really didn't have anything. But at least de-escalated all of the, the major issues. And I think that's probably what we come out of think, on Monday. Think about the trajectory that we're on in terms of trade with China. It, it continues to get worse, not better. In other words, each time there's escalation. We're, we're actually moving up some stairway to, you know, not heaven. Um, so I, I think you've but got a dynamic how, how here. Where there, how is there continued escalation after the initial round of tariffs were put in place? Well, I, mean, I think I think China, first of all, or, well, I'll tell you what. No, no other concrete examples. I mean, the administration's officials and China, they are talking ahead of the G20 meeting, right? They have been in conversation. And so isn't it just sort of it's just been there there's been no progress but there hasn't necessarily been an escalation either well from where we started in march to where we are today on the march eve of going to, to 25 percent okay. i'm just that's what yeah. i'm saying and i'm saying you know try the, the the tactic that xi jinping has played with u.s corporates is to try to engage them say we want you there he's tried to befriend american corporations and in fact that's another way this could get a lot worse china hasn't really put the screws to american corporations yet and i think that's something that they could do if they want to yeah but again and i agree with everything everybody but he said, but again, it comes down to what happens and then what happens to the market reaction on Monday. And I think, listen, I'm as negative as anybody in terms of what it could mean if there's no deal. And I don't think the Chinese are in really You're want to make a deal. You're not more negative than Dan. Hold on. No, Dan's not. No, you know, I think I'm Dan's being pragmatic negative. here, Tim. Dan's pragmatic. You want to double this up? We double Good word. Dan yeah. knows a lot, doesn't And it? as Regis <laughs> Philbin has right. often said, Dan knows a lot. But I also think that, again, a handshake, the optics of it will be enough to make the market rally. I think everybody's... I don't think they're going to come away saying there's no room for us to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's getting into that corner. World War One trench warfare. I don't think that's happening on Monday. This is really important because you kind of poo-pooed the whole GM thing. It's it's not a sideshow. It's really important. I think as we get into two, 2019 and we start to see the first Relative to China? Relative to, like, think about this. GM told us this summer that the steel tariffs were going to impact their business. They already told us that, okay? And so they waited till the midterms. They made this announcement there. They knew they were going to get blowback from the president here. They met with Kudlow this week. They still have to do this. They have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. It's a company that went bankrupt 10 years ago. They're, they're, you know, like, this is a necessary thing. We're going to start seeing this, I think, probably every week in the early 2019 if the tariffs maintain where they are or they go higher. It's your, it, so you think that it's the tariffs that caused GM to announce these layoffs. Listen, I, I was plans. just, I spent the last two days a billion dollars at, in cost at, at Credit Suisse's technology, um, uh, technology conference with all these major CFOs, CEOs of publicly traded companies. Every single conversation spent about, uh, you know, 20% of the time talking about the trade situation. The only companies that seem to not care about them are the ones that have these massive secular shifts, like the ones that we've seen but the go GM crazy still, this the week, GM like the Salesforce, the SaaS guys. 
the GM story to me is about a company that no longer rec- that sees actually very clearly that a core business in the sedan business, for example, they is worth scrapping. They don't sell cars anymore. Don't, they don't I make mean, money. The they sell pickup trucks. The cost, they want to realign right? their business. That to me is what's going on. I, I, that's I think one thing that's going on. <laughs> Are you saying it GM gives had them record cover. profits? I mean, let me, I don't. Let me just ask that. Do you do you think it gives them cover? To do this kind of, to, to close plants and others will follow? Is that see, the see, point of what you're saying? Here's the thing. I just listened to 20 semiconductor companies that sell into industrial space. They sell into autos. They're telling you they have no visibility because these other businesses are being massively impacted by this right now. So it, it is important. So you can say that GM had record profits. They've been shutting down plants for years now. They've been firing people for because years of- now. Right, we'll do this in another time. Um, our next guest has been a relentless bull all year through sell-offs and says the, uh, the rally may have been reactivated. Let's bring in Scott Wren, the senior global equity strategist at Wells Fargo. He joins us from Palm Springs, California. Looks nice where you are, it's Scott. Really nice. nice to see you. You know, <laughs> Melissa, it's a little bit warmer than St. Louis. It's a, it's a touch below 70, and the locals are breaking out their fur coats, believe it or not. Oh, we're happy for you, Scott. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the markets. Let's say there is no deal in G20. What happens to this... Santa Claus rally that we've gotten sort of a, a little bit of well, a preview of. You, you know, I, I I think that we need to see something slightly positive. I'm, I'm with Guy on this one. It's not going to take much. A good handshake, a little bit more than that, and I think the market's going to like it. You know, the two biggest events, at least in our opinion, that's going to determine what happens between now and the end of the year is the Fed meeting and uh, this G20 meeting between G and Trump. And clearly, yesterday, Jay Powell set the table for what's likely to happen at this FOMC meeting, and that's a more dovish tone. That's what the market wants to see. Uh, The market clearly liked that. And I think there's a reasonably good chance that we see just a slight positive between uh, the meeting uh, with these two leaders. So um, in the FOMC minutes that were released today, Scott, trade and or tariffs were mentioned about a dozen times in the minutes, which were short by the standard of typical minutes uh, released after a meeting. So I'm wondering, you know, if, if you think that perhaps there is a Powell put when it comes to the tariffs and that may give the president more cover to be tougher on trade, actually, and to let the tariffs go from 10 to 25 percent or consider putting new tariffs on because the Fed has essentially said we're paying attention to this and the impact on the economy. Well, I think I think the administration wants to see some progress here. And and, you know, a handshake right now is fine. You know, there's a lot of discussions going on in the background. Navarro is going to be there and he tends to obviously be pretty tough. Um, But I think that eventually we're going to see uh, some positives out of this uh, trade deal with China. But that's going to take some time. I mean, this is not Canada and Mexico. Those deals were pretty easy to negotiate. This is not, uh, you know, the EU is going to be tough. China is going to be tough. But but we definitely, we do not expect an all-out trade war. We're having a skirmish right now, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting 50, 60 percent tariffs across all products. That's what we would consider a trade war. So over time, and, you know, maybe it is somewhere in 2019, uh, we see a more solid deal with China. But I think there's a reasonably good chance that we see some positive out of this meeting on Saturday night, out of this dinner, uh, and I think the market's going to like it. So under that scenario, Scott, which sectors would you want to be in? 
Well, for us, you know, we, we continue to think this expansion still has some legs. Uh, we want to be in financials, industrials, consumer discretionary, healthcare. We've liked all those for a while. We don't want our clients hiding in things like utilities and staples and things like that. Uh, we just, as a matter of fact, today we upgraded technology. It's underperformed the S&P 500 by four or 500 basis points here since the S&P's record high in September. Uh, so we upgraded that. We think that looks, uh, looks favorable as well. So, you know, we're leaning towards those companies that we think are going to benefit from a continuation of the expansion. Got it. Scott, thanks. Scott Wren. Thanks, guys. Joining us from Palm Springs. All right. So, Guy, yes. we're here. Look, it up. This is not a political comment. There's a lot of noise around the administration over the last week or so. That's just fact. The President Trump views winning. One of his big wins is the stock market going higher. That's fact. He said it himself. So anything that he can do to make the market go higher next week in the form of a handshake without an agreement, I think he'll do, which is why I think that's why you'll see a handshake. We have something in place. Market rallies on Monday. Coming up, a wild day for Twitter. The stock sinking as much as 8% on a flurry of headlines. What is wrong with the social media stock? We will explain. Plus, Dow on track for its best week in two years, but a handful of Dow stocks are still stuck in bear country. So will the traders say deal or no deal on these beaten down stocks? And the one and only Howie Mandel, the host of the new season of Deal or No Deal right here on CNBC, is here. And he will help the traders find some of the best deals in the market. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Twitter in turmoil today with the stock falling more than 8% at the very lows of the session. Julia Borson's in Los Angeles with more on what is behind the move. Hey, Julia. Hey, Melissa. Well, at the lowest levels of the day, Twitter shares were down nearly 9%. They ended up ending the day down about 4% after a very volatile session. Now, the stock making this move, despite the fact that there was no fundamental news out about the company, but it does come after late yesterday, Twitter suspended a fake account impersonating Russian President Vladimir Putin. That account had gone undetected for six years and had about one million followers. Twitter saying it received a report about the account from Russian officials tweeting a link to its impersonation policy. The move also comes after a Politico article out last night noted that Fox News has not tweeted since November 8th in an apparent boycott over Twitter's handling of protesters posting the address of its host, Tucker Carlson, on the Twitter platform. Wedbush's Michael Pachter telling us that the callout of the silent boycott would spook some investors. It's worth noting it has been a volatile year for Twitter. Stock is up 30% year-to-date, but down 34% from highs in mid-June, 
falling into bear market territory. And other social media names are also in bear market territory. Facebook is down 36% from a high on July 25th. Snap is down 70% from a high in early February. Now, as for Twitter, analysts are pretty split on the stock. According to FactSet, there are 10 buys, 21 holds, and seven sell or underweight ratings. Melissa, back over to you. Okay, thanks so much, Julia Borston. All right, Dan, so what this sort of underscores is this notion that Twitter may have a fake user problem. So obviously uh, And that there may need to be policing in terms of the bullying that so, happens So I think there's platform. a couple of really important issues here. Um, you know, since they said that they were going to start suspending accounts and looking at this problem, I think it was back in the summer, you know, President Trump's, um, his, his, user count has only gone up. And it's just absolutely impossible when you think about that. So they're really not even touching him right now. Here's the biggest issue they have right now. They lost 9 million monthly active users in the quarter that they just reported uh, about a month ago. They guided to a decline of 5 million in the current quarter. So they are losing users. If they get serious on this fake account issue, it's going to be a much lower number than their 326 million. So they're not growing anymore. So they have to better monetize um, the users that they have. The problem is, is that the service isn't really enjoyable to use anymore. It's just not. Other than Guy live tweeting everything he does. I mean, that's I don't know not about you guys. What do you mean it's not, I don't marginal. understand what that means. Why is it less enjoyable now than it was a year because ago? Because of the trolls? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be frank. And then the other issue, though, is what did they say? They cited the, they lost users in Europe because of GDPR, because right. of regulation. And if that so if that happens here... here they're toast. Okay, how, about, how about this uh, boycott, though? I mean, Fox News has 18-plus million followers. And for all those people who might think that the boycott may not be consequential, I mean, look what happened with a boycott of the NFL. I mean, if conservatives sort of fire up against Twitter for whatever reason, could this be consequential for a platform that's already suffering from declining pa- you know, usage patterns? Yeah, well, the answer is clearly yes. But, and, and I've said this before, and I'm not suggesting I'm right, but one of the things I've said for the last couple of years is they, they use the wrong metrics. Twitter should never talk about daily active users, monthly active users. I don't think it's about that at all. The fact that they've gone down that route now, they've pigeonholed themselves, but Google doesn't talk about daily active users or monthly active users. It's the wrong metric for the company. With that said, it doesn't matter because they do. I think the stock probably trades with a 28 handle soon. It's interesting to me, 50 million shares trade today. That's an extremely yep. high number on unclear news. Right. I don't know, it makes me think there's a giant, giant seller. I don't know who that would be. Right. I, I just The metric that matters is international ag growth and domestic ag growth, which are growing at 30%. All right. For more on tech stocks in turmoil, head on over to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on the show. Deal or no deal is making a comeback right here on CNBC. But before the big debut, Guy Adami will take his shot at finding some of the best deals in the market with the help of superstar host Howie Mandel, right here on Fast Money after this short break. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. 
Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money, the Dow on track for its best week in two years as we get ready to wrap up another wild month for the markets. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more on that. Hey, Bob. Hello, Melissa. You know, it's been a wild month for the Dow. The Dow is up almost 1% or 220 points this month. That doesn't really tell the story. That's nothing. The Dow has traded in a 2,000-point range this month. That's about an 8% from the high to the low. But despite a modest rebound, there's been a lot of damage done. So take a look here. There's six Dow stocks. Goldman, IBM, DuPont, Caterpillar, Apple, 3M. They're all in bear market territory, down 20% from their 52-week highs. And there's nine other components, including Home Depot and Intel, that are in correction territory, 10 to 20% off their 52-week highs. Now, that means half of the Dow is either in correction or bear market territory. Now, much of this damage did not just occur this month. The bank stocks like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Goldman, they all peaked way back in March. They've been weaker as rates have stalled out and loan growth has been fairly anemic. Really, it's the same story with the industrials and the materials like Caterpillar and 3M and Dow DuPont. They all peaked essentially in the first quarter, and they began dropping on trade concerns many, many months ago. But big cap growth tech names like Apple and Microsoft, Cisco, they all held up really well. They were the big market movers going into the fourth quarter, and that's when they started encountering big problems right at the beginning of October. All of Apple's decline has occurred since October 1st. Microsoft, by the way, which briefly passed Apple as the largest company in the S&P 500, dropped 13% this quarter as well. But it staged a remarkable comeback in the last seven, eight trading days. It's now down only 3% for the quarter. Melissa, we're about to start the NYSE Christmas party, and I wish all you guys were down here with me. Maybe next year you can come down here and all right. well, enjoy, a Bob. celebration with us. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. So given all these moves, we thought it would be the perfect time to play a little... Deal or no deal. And who better to do that than the deal or no deal host and executive producer himself, Howie Mandel. Welcome, Howie, to the show. We want to go through the rules here. Here's how it's going to work. Guy over there, he's going to be the contestant for today. You see he's with Howie. Each of the traders here on the desk will hold up a case. Guy will pick the trader, and they will reveal the stock and its closing price. And then Guy will decide if it is a deal, meaning a buy at the current levels, or no deal, meaning it's got more room to fall. All right, everybody got the rules, set with their cases. Howie, take it away. Take it away? You just explained everything. <laughs> the idea is for me to explain. So did you hear what she said? Yeah, but I'm not that bright, Howie. Can you just give did me one? Did you not understand? So there are, they got three cases. Yeah. Each of those cases is holding the name of a stock. I'm going to ask you deal. I'm first going to ask you to pick a case. I'm going to say deal or no deal. You're going to tell us whether it's a deal, whether we should buy it, or is it still going down at no deal. You ready? Got it. By the way, before we start, yeah. happy birthday. You know, we've had monarchs, kings, heads of state. Right. You're Howie Mandel. I know. I, I mean, you're, the, you're the biggest star we've ever had. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Is that a compliment to me, or am I doing <laughs> it's a, an show indictment of the show nobody else wants to do? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Ding, ding, I guess ding. I'm the real deal. Okay. So, uh, normally I'd interview you, but they all know you. Yeah, well, of course. But I'm going to tell you to pick a case. There are three cases. Look at our lovely models today. Pick a case. Pick a number. Help me, Howie, please. It's so hard to pick between the three. Just help me to pick one, please. I'm asking you. Are you serious? Is that no, I'm not, no, I'm not really. Oh, I'm I a, smell Emmy here. Can I pick? You guys have been pra- I just got here. You've been practicing all day. I, you know what case I, you're going to well, pick. Well, I, oh, <laughs> I want to pick Karen. Karen's my, always been my favorite. Karen. Yes. Karen. You're Open your case. Wait. Oh. I'm the host. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why am I even here? I don't know how. That's why I'm the most important guest you've ever had on the show. No, you already said, listen to him, Karen. You work with him. I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Go ahead. He said, open the case. Open your case. It's Apple. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you. So Apple closed, I think it says 179.55, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Deal or no deal? It's so hard for me to pick. Deal. I'm going to say deal. And this is why I'm going to say deal. Listen, I've been wrong on this stock for quite some time, Howie. You watch the show, so you know. I do. But the other day, President Trump tweeted about Apple. And if you go back and look, he tweeted about Boeing. After that, the stock went straight up. Lockheed Martin, the same thing. And the same thing happened with what? Pfizer. So I I say say deal. He's tweeted about Rosie O'Donnell. I don't see her anywhere. Excellent point by you. All right. So (laughs) deal. Oh, deal. Okay, so buy. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I'm talking to people like but I you have gotta, people. But you got to hear from the other traders. Why don't we find out what the other traders think? Okay. So next one, you've got to pick a case, right? No, you got to. Tim's got to. So what does oh, Tim, Tim say? Uh, who's Tim? Tim is over at the desk. Oh, well, oh there you are. <laughs> what are you going to say? Deal? Deal. Deal, Howie. I tell you what, I love Apple here. Deal. Okay, this is so different than the real game. Well, you just you know, you have to I'm so confused. Ask Karen, I'm bigger, ask I'm Karen bigger, what she wants to do. Karen, this, what do you this will do? make the real game show look even better. This is part of the ad. It okay, is. Karen, right. what do you what, say? Deal, deal or no deal? Deal, I mean, I own it, so I better want deal. So I own it. I think the valuation here is attractive. I understand the headwinds here, but ultimately, I'm a value girl. Nice. Yes, that's what everybody says. Dan. Yeah, so Dan. I, I'm a deal oh, with this here, but I think you're actually going to have to start working in dollar cost averaging on this thing. I think it has lower lows, but I think this is where you want to start dealing this name. You know what I noticed here? Consistency. No. Everybody is in, this, in line. Consistency so, is a moving target, though, as you know. I do know that. Yeah. I've always said that. I've always said that. And people say, why are you saying that? Just get out of the elevator. Let's do <laughs> Anyway, it's time to pick your second case. Well, you know, it's hard for me to pick Dan and Tim. Dan, please. Sure. Okay, open. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Have you guys seen no, the show? No, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. It's like it working with babies and animals. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, deal or no deal? In this case, Howie, I'm glad you asked. No deal. I, I think this Malaysia thing's a big deal. I think the headlines are going to get worse. I think the stock goes down. And you can see the chart we have here. This is not attractive. I mean, that's not good. You see the way that sucker goes straight down? No deal. Wow. I'm like the Vanna White of NASDAQ now. Okay, no deal. And what do you guys think? Who goes for No them? deal, Tim. Howie. Tim. Bottom line is if guy doesn't like Goldman Sachs, I don't like Goldman Sachs. No deal. No deal. Okay, Karen. Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain here, and I'm going to say deal. I mean, this is a premier franchise that we know it's sitting right near book, which is amazing. The valuation to me on a P.E. basis is ridiculously low. It has priced in a gigantic penalty from the Malaysia situation already. And Dan? Yeah, so uh, I'm no deal, Howie. Uh, I just think that it's actually pricing in a much more challenging 2019 environment, and I think it's a value trap. I don't understand the reasons why Karen likes it. I just don't see any catalyst into the new year, so I'm no deal. Oh, wow. So there's a little, not everybody's consistent. No. But you said that's good when they're well, not. Okay. Do you well, agree you, with everybody? Sometimes consistency is a moving target. Other times, you know, you never know. You never know. I, I like, do. you know, I like everybody. So. Okay. It's time you pick your last case. <sighs> well, there's only one left. Howie, I'm only listening to you, by the way. <laughs> so I'm going to wait. <laughs> Open the case. And I'm going to wait. Caterpillar. It's trading at, I can't see it, 130.23 today. It's 30 seconds on the clock. Deal or no deal? Now, you've been watching the show, and you heard me say that I think there's a chance that President Trump and President Xi, after this weekend, come out, arms around each other. You know, we have a thing for a deal going forward. If that happens, Caterpillar's going to rally hard. So, Howie, I say deal. 
Wow. So yeah. let's find out what everybody else. They're going to have their arms around each other? Spooning. I believe so. Spooning. Yeah. I think that would be great. Be a tragic. Chinese spoon deal. I'm and not what spooning Dan. Oh, you're saying no deal. You're going with them. Yeah, no, no deal, Howie. Look, bottom line here is if the global growth is slowing, Caterpillar is going to be right in the line of that slower growth. No deal. Don't like the valuation. Okay, Karen? Yeah, I'm going to say deal. If you look at the chart, it started trading down with Tara Scott going. I agree with Guy's analysis. They come out hugging whatever, however, in whatever way they choose to show affection, which is fine. I think the stock rallies. <laughs> and Dan? Yeah, so, Howie, I think no deal here for a lot of the reasons that Tim cited. Um, and so here's a stock that's down 17%. Again, like Goldman, I think it's actually... Uh, telling us what the 2019 global economy is going to look like here. Wow. Is it just me or is Karen a rebel? Without a cause. She, every like, single day, Howard. And the Dean smartest one on the desk. Money. Oh, did I say that or did I think no. that in my head? Why don't you guys come on over? Howie. Come on over. Come on over. You don't want to. Wow. <laughs> wow, look. That was the desk. fun. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> Not so much for you, huh? No, no, no. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But I want to say this is awesome. The show, which premieres on uh, this network a next lot, Wednesday, a lot better, is a an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. It is. You will scream. You will yell. I didn't hear any of that here. And for the first time in a long time, you guys have a full audience, and they were just sitting there <laughs> silent. So, um, but, but it's good. If you want to see something so much better than you just saw, <laughs> tune in. It's really December not 5th. that hard to do that. Yeah. So that's not a. That's the just point. don't have God in your first show. I would. I mean. I'm just why, kidding. Why do you think it's such a, an great emotional job. roller coaster? Because I think whether it's a, or not you go with the figure, the dollar figure in the case. Because I think that the the truth of the matter is exactly what makes this show so good, your show so good, is the that the people that are watching it relate to what what am I going to do? Should I buy? Should I gamble? It's risk versus reward. It's exactly everything that this show and this network is all about. And you could sit there. It's teaching moments. You could sit there with your kids. So when you see people. Taking a deal that they shouldn't take or saying no deal when they're turning down a quarter of a million dollars, which could change their life. You're screaming. It's very visceral. You're screaming at the TV. It's a great uh, entertainment roller coaster with a lot of takeaway. And we, uh, we're going to premiere with a holiday special on Monday night right after The Voice on NBC. Big holiday, million-dollar special. We, we have to I can't wait. that for sure. Awesome. Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of the, the decision-making process as to whether or not to go with a deal or, or turn it down and wait for the better deal. I mean, a lot of that also happens in the stock market with stocks. Do you buy at this price? Do you wait till tomorrow and get a better deal on that stock because it's going to be 10% lower or whatever? Um, do you trade? I mean, does that fascinate you? I mean, if this, deci- if this I process on Deal or No Deal fascinates you. I am the in the world. You. I can't because I can't. And that's what makes it hard for me even as a host of Deal or No Deal. I, I don't have. I'm risk adverse. Oh, you are? Very. So like, You don't have what? Sound like you're going to say something else. The guts or whatever okay, it takes to yeah. put Wavos. something. Wavos. <laughs> I don't have eggs. Yeah. I don't have any eggs. So the, so the thing is, that was too much information. <laughs> like, Depends uh, on what you mean by eggs. But, you know, well, go ahead. People are saying, Caitlin looks different on this network. Anyway, the thing is that what I'm saying is that, uh, no, I have and I do and I invest, but not, I'm not really in the market. But it's risk versus, I don't have any risk. And people are so funny because I'll offer somebody who said they, they've never owned a home and the banker says she'll give you a quarter of a million dollars. Right now, you've been there for 15 minutes and yeah. it's very easy for people, some people, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers, to go, no deal. Because they see that really? million dollars looming. And when are you going to ever have that opportunity? And you know, it's kind of like when you see Apple drop a little bit. 
right? You go, you I'm all in because it's going up, you know, or do you wait and right. hold, you know, but the people who go all in right there, those are the kind of people that you see playing the game. Do you follow up with the people who, who win yeah. big money? Yes. Is it like the curse of the lottery? I mean, do you find them like homeless a year later and they lost their... They're so negative. <laughs> I'm curious. No, we have no homeless often, contestant. <laughs> oftentimes, you get a big windfall and you see that with whether it be you know wow. a lottery winner or maybe a professional football player. The one I have do a really lot of money and there's no knowledge well, in terms of how to, how to preserve that money. The very first game that was ever played, I've done it 500, uh, 500 games I've, I've played and, and done and recorded. The very first game in 2005 was a young lady named Karen Van who told us she's never owned a home, she didn't have insurance, she had three kids, and she played a little harder than I would have played, but she walked out of there, and still, when you think of any game, with $5,000, you know? And she lives someplace in middle America. $5,000 would, a you know, buy insurance, buy something, and we followed up a year later. And uh, she uh, had breast augmentation. So things were looking up. <laughs> no, literally. Not sure what the lesson of that story was. But I don't think a there is a lesson. Story. I'm glad <laughs> and she's on that okay note. with bigger breasts. Okay. <laughs> <Wasting> money. Well. <laughs> Howie Mandel, thank you so much. Thank you. You're happy welcome birthday. here anytime. Oh, thank you. And happy birthday. From oh, the oh, Rebel. By the way, yes. by the way. Happy birthday. This is from all of us at Fast CNBC. Money gift bag. <laughs> really? Yes. For, for, wow, from all of you. From all yeah. of us. You guys are such sports. <laughs> I know. There you yeah. go. Something you bought right here on an employee discount. <laughs> do you want me to open it now or do I take it home? I think you have to. I have to open it. Be rude not to. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's a fast money. You guys. Maybe a thermos? We're thinking. Oh, my gosh. Everybody drinks water. Oh, my God. Does somebody have a tissue? I mean, this is. You guys, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, take Thank minute. you, Howie. Thanks, Howie. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. All right. Be sure to tune into the big premiere night of uh, Deal or No Deal, Wednesday, December 5th, kicking off at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You will not want to miss it. Coming up, we told you about all the Dow Downers, but next we'll tell you about one big winner. This Dow Darling is hitting an all-time high today. We'll tell you the name and why shareholders are so excited. And later, Bitcoin hanging above 4000 bucks after what's been a wild couple of weeks. But UBS says Bitcoin is over. It's dead. It's not coming back. The man behind that bold call will be here. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. McDonald's sizzling to fresh all-time highs today. This following a vote of confidence from Morgan Stanley. It upgraded the stock, raised its price target to 210 from 173. Investors have also been digging into the broader fast food space. In the past month, shares of Jack in the Box up 16%, Starbucks up 15%, while Chipotle and McDonald's both higher by more than 9% in the past month. So is now the time to get into some of these fast food names? Guy Dami. Well, McDonald's, people will say valuation is extended, but they've said it for a while. And kudos to Tim, who a couple years ago when the stock was meandering around $105, went out and did a thing with those kiosks. Remember, he said it's a technology play. Now, I don't want... I follow you on Twitter, by the way, and this is yes. I'm getting off topic, but you tweeted something today that actually... It's actually right on topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because but, the Morgan Stanley upgrade had to do with the modernization efforts at McDonald's, and part of that is, right ordering by touchscreen on kiosks. And what did one study find on kiosks in the UK? It was some nasty stuff. That all stuff. of them had feces Okay, I, you know, you have to say that. People I wasn't going to say that. This is that. a PSA. This is for people's good health. 
I, well, I don't know I mean, why we're going to me on this, other than I have used you, those kiosks, but I washed my hands them. before I had my meal. Look, How about after, uh, yeah, before you had your meal, before you use a kiosk too? Yeah, look, I'm washing my hands all day long, Mel. But look at me there. Yeah, just just very no happily ordering away. Swiping the McDonald's screen. has done a couple things. They, they've gotten hip. They've become, at least they have organic meat. They actually have fresh beef. They've done things with the kiosk. They've made it a little hipper. They understand the global brand, and they've refranchised. This stock is going higher. In an environment where the consumer seems strong because retail is strong, Karen, right? does it make these stocks more attractive? Well, one of the things that really been hurting these stocks is labor, right? So for them, that $15 minimum wage in a lot of states, that really hurts them. I mean, to me, it was interesting if there's something to the jack-in-the-box story about... It going what, private, It going private, right. I don't know. How, that's sort of an interesting catalyst to me. Yeah. Of, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a big franchise. I don't know. It could go for... Well, it's already expensive, but I think there's some juice left. Let's stick with the consumer here. Talk about Nordstrom dropping 4% today. Options traders think it's only getting worse from here. Dan, what's Yeah, so interesting one. God's written this one down for the last month, down about 25% on that disappointing result um, a couple weeks ago. I'm kidding. I know that Actually, you were thinking not. about you're it. I, no, but I, I listen. He's being no, no, on Monday. He's on Monday, he said, I think it's time to take a shot I did. on this one. I said that. Okay, yeah. so I listened Split to you. Him too. Up. All right, so Split here's the up. deal. Um, obviously, bad results, bad guidance. The stock's still up 10% of the year. Um, there was a trade today that was kind of interesting, and sometimes at this time of the year, you start thinking about how are people positioning in names they kind of want to hold on to. Um, put volume was three times that of calls. There was one trade when the stock was trading at 5330. Caught my eye. It was a buyer of 2500 of the January 50 puts, paying $1.46 for those. Those break even at 48.54 on January expiration down about 9%. So the reason I bring that up is look at that chart right there. 50 seems to be kind of a level. If you own this stock, um, you're still up 10% of the year. Let's say you came in on the year. You may be looking for some protection at a key support level, and that would lock in maybe a sort of unchanged um, point in the year. Again, these companies are not going to report a lot of these retailers until right. February. So will we see some pre-announcements? We know it's going to be a very promotional um, holiday selling season. Um, but to me, this kind of smacks of some protection rather than an outright bear. It's interesting to me how out of the money the yeah. protection was, considering there is no news. You no can catalyst. see that is a catalyst. I mean, so they got to come. That's a that's a pretty bold bet that things are going to be bad in general and specifically bad for them because they're not trading at a crazy price. Sure. For more options action, you can check out the full show tomorrow, 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, just like Brutus said about Julius Caesar, is it time to bury Bitcoin and not praise it? <laughs> well. Not quite, but UBS came out with a note saying just that. The man behind the call will be here. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's been a wild ride for Bitcoin this month and this year. The cryptocurrency going from the highs near $20,000 to the lows near $3,000. And our next guest says the crypto craze is over. Barring a line from William Shakespeare in his latest scathing note titled, I come to bury Bitcoin, not to praise it. <laughs> the author of that piece, UBS's global chief economist, Paul Donovan, joins us now on the Fast Line. Paul, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me on. Were you always a Bitcoin skeptic? I mean, were you just waiting for this moment in time where, the, where a bubble would seem to pop and then you can pop this note out to bury Bitcoin? To be perfectly honest, I think anyone with a high school education in economics has been a Bitcoin skeptic right from the start. Um, these things were never going to be currencies. They're not going to be currencies at any point in the future. Um, they're fatally flawed. And as a result, I think right from the, the start of the hype uh, in uh, sort of late last year, um, it was fairly obvious that, that this was going to end badly. 
unfortunately for some of the people who weren't protected by any kind of regulation and, and got sucked into the process. So all those people, the people who used to come from banks like UBS and went to start their own crypto funds, all those people are, are just, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're calling them stupid, that they, that they couldn't see that this whole thing was just a false narrative from the start. Well, I mean, the problem with any bubble um, is that it tends to come about when there is something innovative, something new in terms of technology, uh, and it allows that dread phrase, this time it's different, to be uttered. And, of course, that's exactly what we have with the cryptocurrencies. Uh, there were a lot of people who perhaps didn't fully comprehend what was going on with quantitative policy and thought that printing money uh, would create hyperinflation in spite of the fact that printing money doesn't create inflation at all. It's printing too much money that's the problem. Um, and so we had a lot of confusion over this and concerns. And, and so you get this, this, this hype coming out. Now, the underlying technology of blockchain, the, the distributed ledger system, that's different. I mean, there's, there's a, an economic proposition there. Again, there's a certain amount of hype around it. But uh, to go from that into you know, Bitcoin is going to replace the dollar is quite a leap. Is there no use case for Bitcoin? Because even the St. Louis Fed has a white paper out saying that in, in economies and in societies where corruption in the government is rampant and there is uh, severe devaluation of the currencies, there might be a use case for cryptocurrencies. Well, I think if you're looking at uh, a situation where government ceases to exist, uh, to all intents and purposes, that does help remove one of the main obstacles, which is you can't pay taxes in Bitcoin. Uh, some people claim that you can in various locations, but you can't. You pay it in the currency of the government, uh, and they may offer you a deal where you can convert your Bitcoin at a very disadvantageous exchange rate. So um, if you don't have a government, then society gets a little bit more anarchic, and in that situation, something like a cryptocurrency does still come through. But the main problem with these things, the absolute fundamental flaw, is that they're never going to be a store of value. Every okay. economist knows the store of value is about balancing supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And with cryptocurrencies, you cannot control the supply in response to a drop in demand. Okay. Paul, thanks so much for phoning in. Provocative note. I'm sure you know. Thank Paul you. Donovan, UBS's global chief economist. By the way, Ohio just announced that it is accepting Bitcoin for tax payments. So there is one example of that out there. Dan, what do you say to this? Uh, I mean, listen, you know, he, he's right right now. You know, you know what I mean? So some of the pillars of the bull case, the store of value, uh, the scarcity, those things. It was things never that, a store of value. Well, I know, but, but, but I don't think that, you're but saying that. What I'm saying I, is, I but that was one of the core, um, you know, bull cases. Yeah. And, and it's kind of out the window at this moment. But, you know, is gold a store of value? I mean, like, you know, is it, it, it? But there's an ecosystem around it. And I think that's the moment important thing about Bitcoin right now is that it is the first popularized distributed letter, uh, ledger use case right now. You know what I mean? And so that has the potential to kind of grow back into some other use cases, in my opinion. Up next, final trades. <laughs> Time for the final trade. Let's start with Tim. What's your final trade, well, the Tim? service has been beaten up. Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Karen. Yes, I'm going to go with the emerging markets. Yeah. Yes, you know, I think no longer we're not the place to be and dollars moving the right way for them. Dan. Uh, yeah, Box, they just put up a pretty decent quarter, decent guidance. I think this thing's trying to bottom here. I think it's a buy. Guy. Not that I need to say this, but it's pretty clear that Howie and I didn't rehearse that. That was not what? rehearsed. Very I don't <laughs> Really? Crystal. But wasn't he a good sport to come on CNBC's Consummate Fast Money? Consummate professional. And I, I, I cannot wait until Deal or No Deal yeah. premieres on CNBC next week. Deal. We played it. Or No Deal. Exactly. 
Final trade. There might be a deal in Eli Lilly there, sister. Hmm, that does it for us here on Fast. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.